Hey, Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News. Tuesday, August 17th, 2021. Stand up for your country. Well, he tried to get away with it. President Biden tried hard. Get away with it. The humanitarian disaster in Afghanistan, and that's what it is. And you couple that with the humanitarian disaster on the southern border, and we got two disasters in seven months. Now, I speak very specifically about this topic on the Mark Simone Show. Um, it is posted on BillOReilly.com, and I hope you listen to it. And later on in the week, we'll get back to the humanitarian stuff, because that is enormous. And the corporate media mostly ignores it. They can't ignore pictures of Afghans falling out of planes onto the tarmac and dying. They can't ignore that. But why this unfolded this way? with President Biden as commander-in-chief is a story that's not being told, and we're going to tell it to you tonight. So, number one, um, in his uh, remarks yesterday, the president tried to deflect, which is a well-worn political ruse. So instead of talking about how this whole thing was so screwed up, he said, my policy is right. We had to get the deuce out of there, so don't blame me. Blame everybody else, Afghan army, Trump, White House chef, not me. I got us out of there and we had to get we had to get out. That's called deflection. Because you can get out without having people die and be enslaved and totally ignores a residual force at Bagram. All right. To make sure. That the withdrawal was orderly. That's not a hard thing to do. Totally ignored it. Okay. So the press now is in a bad place. They threw everything they had to elect Joe Biden. They got a catastrophe at the southern border. They got higher prices for gas and food. They got Afghanistan. And the man looks befuddled because he is a diminished man. There's no doubt about it. He's diminished. I'm not going to speculate about why or how. He's just diminished. Okay, so yesterday, um, he now has shifted from this disastrous situation to, hey, we're doing the right thing by evacuating everybody, and, and we're focused on the now. Now, this is what we're doing. We're going to get everybody out of there. Not, we screwed up, as we proved yesterday, because I ran a soundbite of Biden in July going, oh, no, no, Afghanistan's not going to fall. He said it, okay? But now it's, ah, we plan for all contingencies. Oh, come on, come on. All right, so most Americans aren't buying any of this. And the polling shows it. Right now, Joe Biden is at Camp David. He went back, they didn't take any questions yesterday. Should have taken them, didn't. There's a reason why he didn't take any questions. His people said, he's not gonna be able to answer them, okay? And they trotted out Jake Sullivan today, I'll get to him in a minute, the National Security Advisor, to take the questions. But it was the same kind of uh, three-card Monty, move it around, never admitting a mistake. Biden didn't mean one mistake. He said, oh, well, we were a little caught by surprise. But no, he didn't make any mistakes. And Sullivan today said, ah, no, we didn't make any mistakes. Okay, so um, Biden's going to be at Camp David through Wednesday, August 18th, trying to figure out how to save him. That's why they're at Camp David. How do we save them? 
because after seven months, it's bleak. And the polling is bleaker. So Trafalgar Group, 1,084 respondents, very simple question. What best describes how you feel about how President Biden is handling U.S. military options in Afghanistan? Disapprove 70 percent. And 48 percent of those 70 are Democrats. That's a colossal failure. Only 23 percent approve and they all work for MSNBC. Okay, so 70 disapprove, 23 approve. That is, this is why they're at Camp David going, holy you know what, how are we going to get out of this? Um, Then a morning console poll, which is a left-wing poll, 40 Democrat, 35 Republican. Do you approve or disapprove of how President Biden is handling Afghanistan? Approve 31, disapprove 51, no opinion 18. Come on, no opinion, really? So 51-31 on a left-wing poll. So, the Biden administration had to do something today after nobody bought Biden yesterday going, ah, you know, we thought this might happen. When he said less than 30 days ago, it's never going to happen. <laughs> it's crazy. So they tried out this guy, Jake Sullivan. I don't know him. He's slick. All right. He's the national security advisor. And he uses words like hot wash. When he first said that, I went, is he saying that the Biden policy is hogwash? No, no. Hot wash. Whatever the deuce that means. You know, he's one of those guys at the end of the day, 15 times. You know, he's talking in Biden speak, rehearse speak. Here's the key soundbite. Go. Uh, we were clear eyed going in when we made this decision that it was possible that the Taliban would end up in control of Afghanistan. We were clear-eyed about that. Now, as the president said in his remarks yesterday, we did not anticipate that it would happen at this speed, though we were planning for these potential contingencies. Clear-eyed. Okay. So you just got to step back for a moment. This is a national security advisor, the top guy. So if you think that the Taliban is going to take over, and abuse women, and cut people's heads off, and execute at will, and harbor al-Qaeda, and let ISIS prisoners, thousands of them, go. If you're, if you're clear-eyed on all that, you don't do any mitigating stuff at all? You don't keep a residual force in Bagram to prevent the thousand ISIS from getting out? You don't do anything. You don't start quietly evacuating people. You, you just let it go in three days. So they, basically, if you, if you brush aside the BS, and that's not easy to do because this guy, he was on camera almost an hour today and it was all BS. Oh, we're focused on this. We got a hot wash over here. Uh, you know, it's like, what are you talking about? If you know a humanitarian disaster will unfold, you try to prevent it. Now, that doesn't mean sending thousands of troops back. I wouldn't have done that. But if the Biden administration had any skill set at all, which it does not, they would have kept 
3,000 special forces in Bagram and U.S. contractors to service the air, the planes, and used air power to blunt the Taliban's progress while evacuating and getting our equipment. Do you know how much equipment, U.S. equipment, the Taliban captured? So were you clear-eyed on that, Jake? This is just for people who are sophisticated, who know the world, who know how diminished Biden is. And I'm not saying this with any ideology. I did not vote for the man. You know that, okay? I didn't think he was going to be competent. He opposed the bin Laden raid. I mean, Gates, the former secretary of state, said Biden's been on the wrong side of every single foreign policy decision in his entire career. And not only that, he's disingenuous, right? In 2002, he was the head of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He went to Afghanistan, Biden did. And here's what he said, go. It seems to me we have to bring some stability here by a multinational force uh, that is able, allows the government to be in a position to be able to exercise some authority. But we're just, this, this is pretty early in the process. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I think you're going to see some glitches between here and there. So he was for nation building. He wanted it. Did you hear that in his speech yesterday? Did he say, well, I was wrong in 2002 trying to build a democratic nation out of a tribal society, which is never going to work. And those of us who understand Afghanistan know that. But you don't allow a foreign policy catastrophe. You don't allow it. He did on his watch. And now our main enemies in the world, China, Taiwan, you don't think China's going, hmm, Taiwan, we want that. What's Biden going to do? Russia, hmm, Ukraine, we want that. What's Biden going to do? And Iran going, hey, we're going to get that nuke because he's not going to stop us. Right? And if that China-Taiwan thing heats up, Biden's going to have to fight them. He's going to have to. And that's a world war. That's how weakened he is. He'd have to. He couldn't allow China to invade Taiwan take it. Because there's no clear-eyed on that. Contingencies. They don't have any contingencies. I mean, it's just a lie. They didn't think it was going to happen. Biden didn't think it was going to happen. And it did. And he won't tell the truth. All right. Media react. So this is interesting. So the media is all in on Biden, as everybody knows. Now they're embarrassed. They covered up the border stuff. They don't report on it. But they can't cover up this. So Jake Tapper is a tough guy. Oh, yeah. And even that dweeb, uh, what's his name, on NBC, Meet the Press, even now he's a tough guy. Oh, come on. But one... One has remained loyal to Joe. That would be Nicole Wallace of MSNBC. 95% of the American people will agree with everything he just said. 95% of the press covering this White House will disagree. And for an American president 
to finally be completely aligned with such an overwhelming majority of what the American people think about Afghanistan is probably a tremendous relief to the American people. Yeah, that's why 70 percent of them, Nicole, think he screwed up Afghanistan. Now, she said that before that poll came out. So you know how astute she is. She was Jeb Bush's press secretary back in the 90s. Do you know that? Now she's a loon, a left-wing loon, which is why she's well-paid for MSNBC. Okay, the guy that Biden should have listened to, and of course wouldn't because Biden doesn't listen to anybody because he's incapable of absorbing information, in my opinion, is General David Petraeus, all right? Former CIA chief, very astute military man. Here's what he said, roll the tape. I do think there were alternative approaches, options that we, in fact, should have considered. I counseled those for many years, but we are where we are now. And I think what's most important at this moment in time is to realize that there are many that we have so far left behind. Sure, but they were clear-eyed about leaving them behind. (laughs) Now, what Petraeus is saying without saying it is, Al-Qaeda and ISIS are going to reconstitute in Afghanistan. We're right back where we were 20 years ago, but the Taliban's stronger because they have all our stuff. They have all our equipment because they, Biden was so clear-eyed in how he allowed them to take over. So that's what Petraeus is really saying. You know, I counseled in a different way. And the way is you have to use a residual force to protect American interests. Not a lot of them, but special forces and air power. And that might have delayed the Taliban's takeover. I don't think the Afghan army ever would have fought because it's a tribal society. As I explained yesterday, their loyalty is not to Kabul or some corrupt guy who says he's president of Afghanistan. Their loyalty is a local chieftains. The chieftains say surrender, they surrender. They know the Taliban are going to come in and cut off their head if they fight. So why are they going to fight? They know that the government in Kabul is not going to protect them. So come on. But with that American force there, there was at least some hope that the Afghans would put up some kind of resistance. Okay, so I looked around for a guest today, um, and I wanted a guy who uh, was there in Afghanistan and knows the country and who has uh, an independent line of thought. I don't want an ideologue that's boring. That's what the cable news does every night. I can't even watch it anymore. So I settled on a guy named Jack Carr. He's a a writer now. He writes novels. The Devil's Hand is his latest. Um, But he led a special operations team in Afghanistan. He was the platoon commander. He's a Navy SEAL. And uh, he was in Afghanistan in 2003. So I'm a simple man, as you know, Commander. And uh, I have a very simple question for you. If you were in charge of the campaign in Afghanistan back in 2003 when you were there, what would you have done? I want to be a little more blunt and specific than General Petraeus was. Um, and I want to talk, I want to get very specific on what I would do now and what I would have done then. But um, initially, we had so much, I mean, it's almost like we could not have done this worse had we been specifically trying to make this the worst possible situation that we could that we could. 
Um, so we have a lot of history to look at here. We have Alexander the Great, we have Genghis Khan, we have three British incursions, we have the Soviet experience from 79 to 89. We can apply our Vietnam experience to that. And as Dr. David Kilcullen talks about, they've been provoking, intimidating, protracting, and exhausting forces for centuries. So we know this going in. And we fall victim to our own intellectual inertia because for whatever reason, we decide that we uh, we fall victim also to imperial hubris. We're not going to take these lessons and we can do it better than all those armies in the past. So it's called the graveyard of empires for a reason. That's not just a cute marketing tool. Uh, and that should have been should have been a clue. So uh, I'm carrying this to my interviews because there's been a lot of changes to the reading lists out there from our from our military leaders. And they missed something very important that Klauschwitz talked about. And he talked about the culminating point of victory. And we hit that in 2001, 2002. And what he means by that is that if you go past that culminating point of victory, then you turn that success into failure. So then we took the next 19 years and we turned that initial success into the disaster that we're seeing today. So All right, let me stop you there. So the initial success was that U.S. forces went in, they drove the Taliban out of government, they drove Al-Qaeda into the mountains of uh, Pakistan and Afghanistan, um, and they pacified the country. That was the initial success, correct? Exactly. Yeah, All right. Covered it on and you, and you were part of that. And you believe that was a noble mission because you had to get Al-Qaeda out of their sanctuary after 9-11. Is that correct? Am I correct That's so far? Exactly right. All right. destroying that, so, that organization, decapitating that organization. And uh, remember, talking heads at the time talked about how long it was going to take, and we did it in months, what okay. they predicted years. So you and your That's guys, the, you and the SEALs, you took care of business. Then, if you had been president and not Bush, you would have withdrawn all U.S. troops out of there? Well, now you have, now you have options. And what we did was focus on reconstruction. We shifted focus to Iraq, and we decided that we were going to somehow combat corruption in a culture that uh, doesn't see it as something wrong. It's just a part of the culture, part of the tribal culture, part of the warlord culture over in Afghanistan. So we bite off a ton more that we than we can chew, and it becomes this 20-year-long 20 engagement in Afghanistan. All right, so let, let me, I want to get specific, though. So you would have had, you've been President Bush, pulled out all U.S. troops, or would you have left a force there to make sure the Taliban, who are still hiding up in the mountains, some of them, didn't come back? What would you have done? Yep, you can either leave one, we have options. You can leave a small force in Afghanistan. You can now go maybe to Pakistan, where we had some initial relations right off the bat. Uh, you can go to some other countries bordering, not Iran, but some other countries that border uh, Afghanistan, and you can use those. So there's some options there to look at. Point being, we didn't look at that. We decided to essentially Nation occupy. Bill. And, and Joe Biden was a big part of that. Joe Biden was the guy, he was there when you were there. I'm sure you didn't see him because you were dodging bullets up in a mountain and he was running around Kabul. But he was a big part. Oh, no, no, no. We got to go in and restructure the country and all, and all of that. Okay, so from the jump, you knew that that big mission of turning Afghanistan into a functioning democracy that would fight terrorism, Islamic terrorism, you knew that wasn't going to work. Is that correct? Uh, I think most everybody that was in my position at the time knew that that wasn't going to work. Okay. Anybody that, that took a couple seconds to study the situation and maybe look at a little history knew that. And All right. right off so the, let's let's ahead. fast forward to today. So you've got this thing and it, it spans uh, Bush and it spans uh, Obama and it spans Trump. 
And you got it then, uh, thanks to Trump, who wanted out of there, um, but wasn't going to go out like this. Uh, he would have hit back and hit back hard. Um, so now you have a withdrawal. They, they want out. How would you have done that and not had what we saw the last two days? Right. We have 20 years to prepare for this. So over that 20 years, we can make some better decisions here. Now, if we decided we're getting out, which we are, how about not giving the exact date and then not giving that September 11th date, knowing how important dates are to the enemy? What, uh, what I would have done specifically was say, hey, we're leaving in the spring of 2022, summer of 2022, June 1st of 2022. How about that? And over this next few months, working on this visa issue, vetting the people that helped us over there to get them out, let, letting our special operations forces off the hook and hitting the Taliban and Al-Qaeda so hard that it puts them on their heels, puts them on the defensive because we know we're getting out. And then instead of leaving on June 1st, we leave before December 31st of 2021. I mean, these are basics. These are some, some uh, something that anyone with common sense can figure out. And it's something that our senior level leaders are, uh, are missing, that common sense piece. All right, so Trump made a mistake by saying May 1st they were gonna be out because he was the first one that put the time on it. So you're saying that was a mistake for him to do that? Putting any time on that allows the enemy, gives them a data point from which to plan. Right, okay. So we wanna give them the time, we wanna give them the wrong date is what okay. we wanna do. So, so now, now, like we saw in Vietnam, we have a failure of civilian leadership, all right? Now, just to put it in some kind of perspective, I believe, and I talked to the president on Thursday, the former president, Donald Trump, and he would have hit back hard on these Taliban once they started this. He would have used a massive amount of power, and they knew it, which is why they didn't do anything while he was there. But he was the guy that put the timetable in motion, and Biden, taking over from Trump, the commander-in-chief, he picked up on it. I have been very hard on Joe Biden. I don't know what your politics are, Mr. Carr, and I don't really care. Uh, you're a patriot to me. You served your country honorably. You're, a, you're an honest man. I don't care whether you're what party you're in. I think that this commander in chief, Biden, is as incompetent as I've seen any commander in chief in my lifetime. How do you see it? I see that, I know you're big on accountability, as am I, and uh, we were kept accountable on the battlefield. If we were gonna, if we made a mistake on the battlefield, we were certainly held accountable. We would have been fired and sent home had we made the same types of decisions that our strategic level leaders made. They made, the, they had, a, there was a failure of leadership at our senior level military le leaders and from our elected officials. And none of those senior level people, government and military, have been held accountable throughout the entire course of well, this Well, they war. said they didn't do anything wrong. Biden's doing, I didn't do anything wrong. They haven't admitted anything. The only thing they said was we were surprised by the speed of it. They didn't say they did anything wrong. Not one thing. They won't admit to it. They won't cop to it. So that shows weakness to me, right? If you got a commander and you make a mistake, you tell your troops, that was a mistake. That's on me, right? And that's how we learn and get stronger as a force going forward, by sharing those failures, learning from them, applying those lessons going forward as wisdom. And we tend not to do that in this country at our senior levels. So Commander-in-Chief Biden, you rate him a? I guess a zero on a, on a scale of one to 10. 
I don't know. Yeah, I guess I give him a zero uh, because I'm taking into account the southern border as well, which is a situation, as I said, humanitarian. Final question for you. Americans don't have any interest in the Afghans. You know, we want to protect ourselves from subsequent terror attacks. I do believe you're going to see al-Qaeda and ISIS in particular reconstitute there uh, in Afghanistan, do what they want, train, get money, all of that. I believe that will happen. Okay, but most Americans, you know, they go Afghanistan and don't know where it is. They don't know any history, as you pointed out at the beginning of the conversation. They're not interested in Alexander the Great or what the Soviets did. They, if it doesn't affect them directly, they kind of tend to dismiss it. And that's what Biden's hoping for. He hopes this is just maybe a one, two-month storm and it blows over. Okay? Do you think it's going to blow over? Do you think Americans are so self-contained that something like this isn't really going to matter in the long run? I think it's going to blow over for them, that political elite leading class, uh, because as a country, we don't invest back in our country anymore for the most part. Uh, World War II, everyone was touched somehow by World War II, whether they saved tires and donated that for rubber, whether they're putting up blackout curtains on the Atlantic or Pacific side of the country, uh, everybody was touched somehow. Uh, very few people have invested in the country in this war effort. And for that reason, uh, I think that this is gonna blow over politically, not blow over perhaps, People will remember. There'll be a certain group of people that never forgets this. But the rest of the country, unfortunately, I think will move on. Yeah, until we're attacked again by these terrorists who aren't going away. The book is The Devil's Hand. The author is Jack Carr. Mr. Carr, we appreciate talking with you. Um, thanks for helping us out tonight. Thank you for having me on. Take care. Everything is expensive these days. You know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD or text GOLD to 65532. All right, having a COVID update. Um, so everybody's going booster shot now, right? Booster shot? Uh, yeah, I get it. Um, so U.S. health experts are expected to recommend booster shots for all Americans, regardless of age. That means kids too, all right? eight months after they receive their second dose of the vaccine. Uh, I guess that'll come out soon. And uh, all right, I'll get it. But the anti-vaxxers aren't going to get the boost. They're going to get their other stuff. Um, about 200 million uh, Americans are fully or partially vaccinated right now. So 335 million in the country 
And we got 200 vaccinated. Okay. I predict that this COVID thing will subside in the fall. Could be wrong. Kids in COVID. Now, this is a big one. So children under the age 18 represent 14, 1-4% of all COVID cases, yet 0.1% hospitalization. 0.1%. So that means when the kids get COVID, they don't get it bad like the old people do. All right? So it's like the flu. So that's very, very important. Hospitalization, we don't know because um, seven states don't give out that info. Right now, um, there are, let's see, 19 deaths among children. 19. No, 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 I'm sorry. These stats are very muddled because each state uh, reports, and it's all over the place. But there are hardly any kids in the hospital. <laughs> Let me break it down that way. I've been trying for weeks to get kids stats, and you can't get them. But we do have the one stat that's in stone, 0.1% of all the child COVID cases resulted in hospitalization. So it's infinitesimal. Um, this is a very interesting story. You'll hear nowhere else but here. Moms with young kids under the age of five have increased their alcohol consumption by 325%, according to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse. So if you have a little kid and you're a mom, you're boozing. Now, why? Well, because you're afraid. Women are more likely to use alcohol to cope with stress, depression, and anxiety. So they're afraid of COVID. They're afraid of economic stuff, whatever it may be. But isn't that interesting? So drunk moms aren't good. If you're a mom, don't get drunk. Fake COVID vax cards. Okay, so the feds have seized a whole bunch of them. And guess where they come from? China. So China, criminals in China are counterfeiting COVID vax cards, shipping them to the USA where they are sold. Okay, border agents confiscated 121 packages with 3,000 fake vaccination cards. Um, Inevitable, right? People want to buy the cards, they don't want to get vaxxed, there you go. All right, let's go to California. So there is liberal panic in California over a possible recall of Governor Newsom. And I told you there would be because uh, California is the most left-wing state in the union. So all the newspapers out there, uh, LA Times, San Francisco Chronicle, San Diego Union Trib, they all, oh, no, 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 don't, don't move, don't make them, don't throw them out. No, 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 no. And now on Friday, Biden and Harris going to campaign for Newsom in a clear eye. They'll be clear eyed, I, I think, right? So Biden and Harris going to, now I don't know if they're going there uh, or it's going to be virtual or what's going to be, but Biden and Harris, goes, oh, we got to keep Gavin, got to keep him. Pelosi is also joining the fight. So the latest poll has 50-50 for uh, Newsom. You know, it's a uh, CBS poll. 
within the margin error. 48 want to keep them. 52, I'm sorry, 52 want to keep them. 48 want to boot them. That's within the margin of error. 1,856 California adult residents. Problem for Newsom is that everybody who wants to keep them has to show up and vote or mail it in. Because the people who want to boot them, they're much more motivated. So I'm still predicting on uh, September 14th that the steam song, na-na-na-na, hey, 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 goodbye, kicks in. But I could be wrong. So I don't like this Megan Rapinoe. You probably know that if you watch the No Spin News. She's a woman soccer player with the purple hair. I think she hates her country. Um, she's got all kinds of beefs. That's okay. But kneeling down and insulting the flag is not. So a former goalie for the women's soccer team, American team, Hope Solo, who's a big star, uh, said this about Miss Rapinoe. Roll it. Yeah, I have friends on both sides of the aisle. But I think the kneeling thing can, can be very divisive. Um, I, I, I do appreciate the fact that there's no national anthem right before the game to, to, to really remove that decision from athletes because that's, that's very tough. It's tough. Um, I've seen Megan Rapinoe almost bully players into kneeling because she, she really wants to stand up for something in her particular way. But it's our right as Americans to do it um, you know, in whatever way we're comfortable with. And I think that's really hard being on the main stage right now with so many political issues for athletes. There's a lot of pressure. All right, so Megan Rapino, I'm sorry I mispronounced her name. She, according to Hope Solo, is bullying her teammates to kneel during the national anthem. Very nice. So Montclair University is in New Jersey. They have a witch hunting outfit called the Bias Education Response Task Force on campus. They're witch hunters. They go around, they try to drum up bias, all right? And then they try to get the people in trouble. So they got sued, all right? They got sued by the Young Americans for Liberty chapter uh, after they tried to shut them down. And the lawsuit was settled in U.S. District Court. Part of the settlement is that the University Montclair University has to disband the witch hunters. So the Bias Education Response Task Force has to go. Now this happened because the Alliance Defending Freedom organization filed the lawsuit. They won. Not all is bad. University of Michigan, okay, Ann Arbor, good school. One of their math professors says, you know, mathematics is racist. Roll it. And I think it's been quite difficult to figure out how to surface and unpack the ways in which mathematics, for example, is a harbor for whiteness. I think that the minute you say that, we find ourselves back in a pattern of discourse between the mathematics disciplinary community and educators that we've seen many times before. And it's always been about race. Sure. Read and write and arithmetic, all about race. One and one, two. All about race. No, it's racist. Unbelievable. University of Michigan. This day in history, August 17th, 1998, President Clinton finally admits he had an affair with Monica Lewinsky. So uh, the only reason I'm doing this is to remind you what happened um, 23 years ago, today. 
So, Clint, I'm not going to use the soundbite. I have it, but I'm not going to use it. I, I'm going to use the Hillary soundbite for the producers in the booth. Um, so, Clinton said to the nation, yeah, I did it. I lied about it. I told everybody I didn't do it, but I did it. He had to because he had to testify for four hours in front of a criminal grand jury. If he lied there, he'd go to jail. All right? So, he said today in 1998, I did it. Before that, all right, in January, it's August now, remember, here's what Hillary Clinton said on the Today Show. Go. The great story here for anybody willing to find it and write about it and explain it is this vast right-wing conspiracy that has been conspiring against my husband since the day he announced for president. Remember that? (sighs) Anyway, Clinton was impeached but not convicted. You know the story from there. But today he admitted he had the affair. Quick break, back with the mail, and a final thought for all you conspiracy people. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day, and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before, and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's go to the mail. Uh, John on the message board, by not preparing properly for a logical and orderly withdrawal from Afghanistan, Mr. Biden has done disservice to our military forces in our country. Can you imagine how the Chinese feel about Taiwan? Yes, sir. Sean, you nailed it on Afghanistan, Bill. I look first for your analysis. It's always factual, and you always name your sources. We'd be a better country if more Americans tuned into the No Spin News. Thank you. Nurse Linda. Nurse Linda on the message board. Bill, loudly and clearly, I hear, understand, agree with you, and feel your anger, frustration, and angst over President Biden. But did you ever for one minute really think his presidency was going to work out any other way? I didn't think it was going to be this bad. I really, to be honest, I did not think it was going to be this. This is really bad. Uh, William Atterbury, Dawsonville, Jaja. O'Reilly, how does having a U.S. presence in Afghanistan differ from U.S. troops stationed in places like South Korea, Japan, and Germany? doesn't. Now, the Biden people say it's a civil war. We don't want to be in the middle of a civil war. All right. That's a little bit different. But... You don't have to be in the middle of it. You provide backup for your ally, which is what we're doing in South Korea, in Germany, and in Okinawa, Japan. We're backing them up, not fighting the civil war. Alice, excellent, excellent, excellent presentation on Afghanistan. Any idiot listening to you, O'Reilly, can finally understand what it's all about. Hope so. 
Gregory, infuriating to say the least. We spent billions of our money on this country. We got nothing in return. William, his address, Biden's address to the world is hollow, defensive, and shows weakness. Chip Donovan, Hamilton, New Jersey. Who is running our country? Do you think Obama is? I think Obama has input, but I don't know how much. And it's impossible to say it really is. Uh, it's a mystery of the universe. Karen Godfrey, Farmington Hills, Michigan. I work with people who voted for Joe Biden, and they are saying today they believe the disaster in Afghanistan is Trump's fault. They're zombies. You know, you don't have to talk to zombies. Robert Shahan, Belton, Texas, ABC is going after Biden. Is this the tide turning against his administration? No, they have to. The corporate media has lost so much credibility. They are so disdained, despised by the American people that they had to do this. They had to step up and criticize Biden. They don't want to. They had to. All right. You buy killing Crazy Horse and killing the mob together. Great summer reads, 40%, 4-0. Oh, plus, if you're a premium conservation member, you get discounts on top of that. We're giving you the books, and you will like them. All right, go to BillOReilly.com store. History tour information, Donald Trump and me. We're going to start our marketing campaign in late September. So there's still nice seats available after that marketing campaign, so get them now. Just go and we'll switch you over to the box office on BillOReilly.com. Word of the day, do not be pawky when writing to us. P-A-W-K-Y. Back with a final thought in a moment. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. All right, here's the final thought of the day. I got a lot of mail from conspiracy people. And the internet loves that. You get conspiracy, conspiracy this. Biden's a foreign agent. Uh, the vaccine is spreading COVID. COVID was invented by some guy in Cambodia. You know what it is. Don't do that. Please. If you read something on the Internet, write down where it's coming from. There's usually a banner. Who is telling you? Then you write me a letter and said, I read this by this person. I can tell you. And I can, Look. Killing Kennedy, and that's the biggest conspiracy in the world, the assassination of JFK. We just blew it out of the water. Blew it right out of the water with facts. Okay? So conspiracies are almost impossible to do because someone will leak. Someone will break. Someone will get drunk and put something out. I've never seen a conspiracy. All right? I know people love them. 
I know it. I know it. You got movies about them. You got this. You got that. But you got to go with the facts. That's what we do here. You come here, what we tell you, we can back up. Now, on Thursday, on the subject, uh, we got a special on race relations, black-white race relations in America. We're going to have some really smart guests, African-Americans, and I'm going to have conversations with them. It's going to be fact-based, not conspiracies. I think you're going to want to see it. That's Thursday. Tomorrow, we'll have a regular program. Thank you for watching tonight. We'll see you then.